We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods and I'm your host today. And today we're going to be talking about um, the top 10 myths of love, why it's time to forget the fairy tale and the relationship and really begin to talk and why do we um, end up in relationships where in the beginning they seem very promising and at the end they um, don't seem to turn out well? Our guest today is Dr. Victoria Fleming, who is an educator, author, and clinician. She received her undergraduate degree from Marquette University and graduate, graduate degrees from Indiana University. She was on the faculty at Miami University and Northwestern University before retiring from academia to pursue a full-time clinical practice in the northern suburbs of Chicago, where she lives with her husband and two children. Welcome to our show, Dr. Fleming. Thank you, Mary. Um, I Actually, I read your book, You Complete Me and Other Myths That Destroy the Happily Ever After. And, you know, I began to uh, think about, as a, as a young girl, all the fairy tales. We have Cinderella, who Prince Charming comes and rescues her, and Snow White, who Prince Charming wakes her up and saves her from, um, you know, a life in a coma. And most of it, we have Beauty and the Beast, where uh, there's, you know, this beast that, that finds love and then the woman changes him forever. And, you know, it's kind of a setup, I think, for when, when we start to get into relationships with people. And it's really not the way it is. No, no. In fact, Disney kind of really sets the stage, right? What do we have in all the Disney, all the all the best Disney movies? We've got the absent mother and the girl on the difficult journey who gets rescued by the man. Right. Uh, and that is kind of the ongoing theme, isn't it? So, yeah, and it, it surely is not that way. And, um, and yeah, we don't really do our, our daughters any great service if we let them believe that that's, um, that that's the path to happiness is, is by way of a man or a relationship. Um, obviously, you've done a lot of counseling with couples, and um, what is the thing that strikes you most about couples when they come in for therapy, about their relationships? Yeah, well, what, what they tend to have in common is a need for something to be different, but they're not really sure what, what should be different. They, they're not really sure what that needs to be, and very often... When I ask them, you know, what's, what, is the, what are the main issues in the relationship, each person will say to the other, well, the problem with our relationship is that you, and then they continue from there. And very rarely do people say, okay, well, the problem with our relationship is that I, and, and, and they're very, you know, less willing to contribute the, you know, what they're doing 
um, to to bring about the difficulties in the marriage. And, and I think that's really where the trouble starts. We're trying to find the answers in the other person um, instead of looking to ourselves and what we might be able to, to do. Well, and so many times I know um, for myself and, and for friends, you know, it seems like we're attracted to the people who are the exact opposite of us, either in temperament or um, sometimes in worldview because it looks so, or, or we're attracted to people who are different than our family of origin. Yeah, there's something so alluring about that, isn't there? And some of that is just the way the brain is wired. The brain loves novelty. I mean, that's just, that's neuroscience. The brain loves, it's why we like puzzles. It's why we like um, sort of the, the journey of the unknown. Um, we like puzzles. We like, we like having, having mysteries to work on. And um, we like novelty. And so because of this, you know, um, I think that could contribute to the fact that we see somebody who is so different. It really sort of tickles our brain. Um, what makes this person tick? And isn't it so alluring to have somebody existing in this world in such a different way, on such a different path than me? And that um, very often is what leads to the romantic notion that, boy, this is, this is what I've been missing my whole life. Um, you, you talk in your book about the, um, the necklace that, that's usually like it's a heart and it's cut in half and one person wears one yes. half and the other person wears the other. The split heart and, pendant. Yeah. Can you share with our listeners um, your thoughts about that? Yeah, well, I think, uh, and, and to me, I think the whole idea of this book um, came from that idea that you complete me, right? Tom Cruise uttered those words to Renee Zellweger, and our hearts melted and went, oh, yes, that's it, that's it. Um, and that's not really it, because if I'm saying, uh, you know, what, what I'm doing is I'm sort of just trumpeting to the world, I'm half and the other half of me is around here somewhere. And not, you know, hypothetically, not maybe out there somewhere, but like somewhere very specifically and wearing the other half of my necklace, um, which I think is very interesting that I can pinpoint, you know, that missing half of me so so precisely. And really what that does is, though, it, it sets us up for failure because it's saying I'm going into a relationship less than whole. And, um, and it just doesn't work out because then I'm going to be going into that relationship looking for them to fill something in me if that's a good setup for them, that means that there's very likely something missing in them that I'm filling, and then we're sort of these two halves trying to get the other half from the other one, and, and it just doesn't work out that way. And you use you actually use um, a mathematical example. I because, do. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like one in in the world of arithmetic, a half and a half equals one, but in relationships. Yeah. A half and a half equals a quarter. Yeah, well, humans don't work that way, right? In, in mathematics, one half plus one half equals a whole, and it's, and it's nice, and we can add together. But humans don't work that way. We're not additive. We're each trying to get something, so, and it's dynamic. So rather than us being able to add our two halves together, our two halves end up multiplying, right? It's dynamic. So I want yours, you want mine. We end up one half times one half is one-fourth. We actually end up with less than what we started with. And if we have one person who's who's whole, for lack of a better word, another person who's looking for completion, we don't end up with one and a half. We end up with a half. No, right? that's right. That's right. And actually, that's more of a theoretical situation because yeah. really somebody who is whole, somebody is who is complete in and of themselves, they're less likely to... to partner up with somebody who, who sort of has this missing piece. Um, it's much more likely that people 
two different people have missing pieces and they find it in one another. Um, so, but yes, even in theory, it doesn't work because if I'm whole and you're half, we're still going to multiply out and end up, and I'm going to end up depleted. I will end up with less than I started. And that actually, women particularly, they find themselves um, in that pattern pretty frequently um, because we, you know, we're the caregivers, we're the nurturers. So very often uh, we will partner with men and the men will end up being better for the pairing. They will end up with a better resume, with a, you know, with the support at home, with a cleaner house. Um, and yet it came at the expense of the, of the woman. Um, and then she ends up feeling depleted and less than, than what she started with. Well, and oftentimes um, we have this negative self-talk in our heads as well that we're unworthy or we're not deserving. And so all of a sudden someone comes along and starts paying attention to us and we settle as, mm-hmm. opposed, to really, as opposed to really looking at this person and saying, what is there about this person that I'm attracted to? You know, is it really the person or is it just the fact that finally somebody's paying attention to me? Well, that's right. And what we know, you know, from... You know, research on parenting and, um, and, and, and basic principles of, of behavior, right, rewards and punishments, we know that any attention for a human being is better than no attention. Um, and so even if that attention isn't particularly healthy, um, we're more likely to want it than to not have any attention. Um, and, again, women tend to, we like being the nurturers. We like being able to fill a person's needs. And so, unfortunately, um, if we don't really figure that out within ourselves, we're going to attract um, a, a pretty needy partner who ends up depleting us of, of what we have to offer. Um, in your book, you talked about... Um how you know people who are who are who have a passive personality can also have an aggressive personality, and people who have um, could be naturally boisterous can also have a quiet personality. And how sometimes our parenting affects that. And could you talk a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I I just believe that 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 a human infant, a baby, is born whole. I think that we come into this world with the full range of potential um, within us. So um, let's say that you, you've got an infant and they have the normal human range of, as you say, being passive or being more aggressive. That's a, you know, passivity and aggression. Those are two natural human states. And through the socialization process, we learn to temper them. We learn to use them when it's appropriate. So if I'm in New York trying to hail a cab, that's a time to be aggressive. If I'm trying to soothe um, a crying baby, that's a time to be passive and, and soothing. And so we have both of these tendencies at our disposal. Um, and, and through the developmental process, those tendencies to be passive or to be aggressive are either nurtured, brought out in us, or they're punished. And this happens in our family of origin uh, in the very early years of human development. If when you're trying to get your needs met and you're aggressive about it, your family of origin may either um, punish that behavior or may reward that behavior. So then the, the, the counterpart is not getting rewarded. So let's say that you're in a big, loud family, and when you have needs, if you're passive, you're just not going to get heard. Um, but if you're aggressive, you'll get your needs met. You'll get the attention that you need. So you, you learn to really reject that part of you, that passivity, that didn't get any of your needs met. I mean, really, it, just, it did you no good, right? So you develop the more aggressive parts of you because that's what gets your needs met. And, you know, 
subsequently in your adult relationships, you've learned to be more aggressive and to sort of um, not honor that part of you that that can be more of a of a of a passive um, type of person. And so, you know, that's when you've sort of set yourself up for this "you complete me" myth, right? Maybe you're more aggressive. You've you've sort of banished that passive part of yourself. And um, you meet somebody, somebody comes along who is themselves very laid back, very passive, not very aggressive, and all of a sudden you think, oh, my gosh, that person is, is, my, perfect, is my perfect match. They, they complete me. And in a sort of profound psychological sense, they do. The passive part of you that you had banished is manifested in this passive person. And so you're drawn to them. You think you complete each other. It feels really good. And these are the relationships where what, very often happens is at some point in the relationship, the very thing that brought you together, that particular trait, ends up being the thing that totally drives you crazy. Well, it's because you you begin to resent that part of yourself that that, that you're missing. I mean, I would think you would lose patience with it after a while because it's so foreign to you. Well, sure, and also because you banished it for a reason, right? You banished it because in your family of origin, it didn't get your needs met. So you learn to really hate that part of yourself. It, you know, it served you no purpose. You got rid of it. So that's when the myth really kind of plays out, when all of a sudden you begin to resent and dislike that trait in your partner, even though it's what brought you together in the first place. So this is where you have somebody who says, oh, you know, he was so wild and so much fun in college, um, and that's what brought us together, but now it's time for him to sort of grow up and, and get a real job and settle down um, and, and act like a grown-up. Well, you know, that's not what what brought you together. So very often as the relationship plays out, as life unfolds, you'll find that what you need at, at one point in time is not the same thing that uh, that was attractive to you at an earlier point in time. And we'll be right back to talk with Dr. Fleming more about this fascinating topic after this commercial break. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. If you want to understand more about your health, sexuality, and so much more, tune in to Hot and Healthy Sex Radio with host Jenny Friend. Jenny will look at sex and sexuality from a practical, scientific, and human perspective, explaining not just the how, but the why. We want to hear from you, too. Tune in to Hot and Healthy Sex Radio, live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. That's noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. It's good for your health, your sex life, and your well-being. You may know what a prostate is, but do you really know its function and how it can truly affect your health and your life? Listen for The Power of the Prostate. 
Healthy Men, Vital Lives with host Adriana Stilwell. We'll connect you with complementary health care modalities that can promote prostate health and possibly change your life. The Power of the Prostate is broadcast live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today. And the topic of our show is... Uh, the top 10 myths of love, why it's time to forget the fairy tale with a relationship. And uh, the first myth is that uh, you complete me so that, you know, we're out there find, trying to find our, our soulmate or our twin flame or whatever we want to call them. And um, that often ends up in um, a disaster, for lack of a better word. And the second myth that, that you talk about is that marriage will change him or her. And that, you know, we think that, like you were saying before we went to break, you know, the, the party people will settle down or, um, you know, the people who are more laid back will all of a sudden become ambitious. And um, how do we fall into that trap of um, thinking that marriage will change someone? Oh, it's so easy to fall into that trap because it all has to do with preconceived notions. It all has to do with the scripts that we have in our heads of what marriage looks like. And for many of us who, you know, grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, um, we grew up with a very clear image. You know, we learned it on television, right? There's a husband and there's a wife and there are a few kids and there's a pet and the husband works and he comes home after work and he's dutiful and, and, uh, and the wife uh, cleans the house and, and um you know, it just sort of pick, paints this picture of what a marriage is supposed to look like. And um, so often that script that we have, that preconceived notion, is more powerful than real life. Because the truth is we could be dating somebody who doesn't match that mold at all, but our script is so strong in telling us that, you know, once we get married, then he'll he'll settle down and he'll have the the consistent job, um, or somehow I'll become magically overnight a, a homemaker and know how to cook, which doesn't happen for, for, for women um, very often. And so it just sort of sets us up for, for a very uh, painful realization that people really don't change because of marriage. Now, the, the course of human development, yeah, people change over time, and hopefully within the context of a really good relationship, they will grow together, they will change together. Um, but it's not going to be because of some preconceived notion about what, uh, what role you're supposed to fill in a marriage. Is there a way to edit that script once you've joined into this uh, relationship? Thankfully, yes. Thankfully, yes. And, and um, that's actually uh, what a lot of uh, work of marriage counseling is all about. It's about and gently um, confronting people on what those preconceived notions might be, helping them to understand where they came from, helping them to love the person they're with for who they are instead of trying to make them something that they're not. Um, also appreciating your gifts and, and your talents. I mean, a lot of women, for example, think, you know, once I get married and have kids, I need to, I need to step off the career track and... Um, 
and stay at home, and only to find that staying home with children um, just isn't what they thought it was going to be, and realizing that they do still want to have um, other areas of interest and growth in their lives besides motherhood. And a lot of women feel very guilty about this because they really believe they should be staying home and raising the children, and that should be fulfilling enough for them. And so um, sometimes it's really just helping people find their strengths, find their path, and, and realize that, um, that, that the path you co-create with your partner is much more fun than a preconceived script that you think you're going to just jump on and, and ride out for your life. But I think that must be very difficult to do. I would think it would take a lot of conscious effort to do that. Well, it starts with sort of a mindfulness about where you are and why you are there. Why is this marriage unfulfilling to you? You ask this of, of, of couples, and the spouse will say, well, because he doesn't do this, because she doesn't do that. Like their fulfillment was supposed to happen as a result of what their partner was going to do for them or do for the marriage. And um, I, I think once people start to realize how much they were relying on these old scripts and preconceived notions, it's kind of an, it's kind of an awakening. It, it, it really is. It's, it's an opportunity for them to say, hey, you know, we can kind of co-create this together as we go. And, and, if, and a lot of that, you know, that, that may not seem alluring to somebody who is afraid of change and fears what that future might bring. But if you can get people to feel safe and get them to feel a good sense of trust in one another, that they really are in the journey together, uh, then, they're, then, it's, then it's, um, it's really not as hard as they fear it might be to co-create a new path for themselves. Which kind of is a good segue into the third myth, which is if he or she would be perfect, I would be happy, which to me seems... This to me almost seems tragic that somebody is so dependent on someone else that um, they, they can only find happiness externally. Yeah, and this, um, boy, this, this you, I, I see this myth playing out with people who really sort of lived a life unexamined, entered, entered into a partnership without really knowing themselves first, and they are not particularly happy. They believe that marriage is going to make them happy or a partnership um, is going to make them happy. They enter into the partnership, and guess what? They do get happy for a while because it's new, it's exciting. Um, there's lots of change, which can be scary, but can also be very exciting. And then once the thrill is sort of behind them, then they're sort of left with their same discontentment. And going well, okay. I guess this is. A, I just needed him to be more this. I needed. I needed her to be more that. Um, and this is where a lot of people come into counseling with the laundry list. You know, um, the you, you need to be more this. You need to do more this. You need to do this around the house. Oh, and by the way, you need to. You know, they have a laundry list of things that the, they want the partner to fix, quote unquote. And I think by the time people come in with a laundry list, um, the marriage is in real trouble because it's never about those more surface-level issues. It's always about the deeper, more profound sense of connection um, and, and discontentment. Um, you talk about the big four in your book, fear, shame, guilt, and ego, mm. and how they um, 
displace relationships and how they really, um, you know, they're devastating to a relationship. And, you know, I'm wondering when we talk about fear, you know, I can see if somebody, um, you know, if if I'm truly myself, somebody won't love me. I was reading a... um, I was at the hairdressers and I was reading People Magazine about Debbie Morin and part of what they were saying is that she has this fear that she'll die and nobody, she will never be worthy of love. Mm-hmm. You know, so that fear of being worthy of love. Um, what about shame and guilt? Where does that fit? In terms of- <laughs> yeah, shame and guilt are... Um- Shame and guilt are, you know, they're 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 important in terms of our sort of our society. I mean, you know, shame is is feeling like we should be doing something or shouldn't be doing something when we feel ashamed. We're using um, sort of a, an internal compass to tell us that what we have done is is uh, is wrong. Um, and and you know, given some of what. Um, human nature would drive us to do, you know, shame isn't such a, I mean, we need, we need it in moderation, um, but it's when shame is driving the bus that we really um, have a, there's sort of a self-loathing there um, that is really problematic, not even getting to a partnership, but just being able to live in your own skin and be comfortable and to really love yourself. Um, shame can be a real issue. And guilt has more to do with, uh, they're very related. Shame and guilt tend to, tend to go hand in hand, but guilt is more remorse because of an effect we're having on another person. Um, and so we feel guilty over the things that we do if we were to, say, betray a partner. You know, we feel the shame because we know it wasn't the right thing to do, and we feel guilt because of the effect it's going to have on the other person. Um, and usually both of those things, shame and guilt, they're coming from a place. If we are engaging in behavior that will lead to shame or guilt, that tells us more that we are not acting in our best spiritual selves. We are not being our best selves. And, and when that happens, I don't want to focus on the shame and the guilt because of the out, those are the outcomes. I want to focus on what's stopping you from living your best Self, your your most um, integrated um, self. Uh, what what's causing that? And very often, um, that comes from a place of ego or or as you say, fear. Um, and and I think fear of not being loved for who we are. And I think a lot of celebrities fall into that trap. They get so used to people being around them because of what they can do for them. Um, they're so used to people sort of just telling them they're wonderful. Um, but not really seeing their spirit, not really being able to sort of look them in the eye and see that, that, that they're a beautiful person and they would be regardless of, you know, their, their latest public success or how much money they have. You know, it's a really profound and deep-seated need that we all have to be loved and accepted as human beings. You know, um, I'm thinking of, of a couple things as you're talking. One is that um, if, if you come into a relationship thinking that the other person is going to complete you and after kind of the honeymoon wears off and you start to feel like your usual self, I'm sure that must feel like um, like you failed in some way or I'm not good enough. And, and I think that would just create a vicious cycle for people. Well, sure, and and doesn't don't both of those things sort of indicate that something is out of balance? 
right? Yeah. That I was looking for my fulfillment in another person. And I think that's, you know, again, because in our script, we think that we are not going to have a fulfilling life until we are partnered up with someone, until we have our marriage or partnership, um, until we, you know, have, you know, the 2.3 children in the suburbs with the picket fence. I mean, we, we have this kind of narrow um, view of what we want, and, and um, we're not really taking the time to love ourselves, to understand ourselves, and to really appreciate um, the gifts that we were born with. And I think that's when a lot of people get themselves into a lot of trouble, when they focus on, and I, I didn't make this up, um, it's kind of an older saying now, but they're focused on um, what they're doing instead of who they are being. So they, they become they become human humans doing instead of human beings, and, and that just sort of uh, is, is kind of an affront to uh, to the soul, really. It would seem like that would make the person ripe for an extra marital affair or infidelity. Oh, sure. Boy, infidelity, um, that's, um, that is a, a huge symptom that um, whatever is going on in the marriage, and there's lots of different reasons why people are unfaithful. Um, but and we'll get to those right after this commercial, okay? Sure, we'll be right back you. after this commercial. Thank you. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. 
Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today, and our guest is Dr. Victoria Fleming, who is an educator, author, and clinician. She received her undergraduate degree from Marquette University and graduate degrees from Indiana University. Um, she currently is has a full-time practice in the northern suburbs of Chicago, where she lives with her husband and two children. And she's written a very um, easy-to-read and, and um, helpful book called You Complete Me, and the other myths that destroy happily ever after. And uh, right before we went to break, we were talking about infidelity and um, how that comes about and can people move beyond that in a relationship. Boy, I mean, how much time do we have to talk about this topic? This is uh, this is just a huge topic. And the the thing of it is people think of infidelity as what you've done to your partner and what you've done to the marriage. But with infidelity, inherently it starts with the betrayal of self. Right when you partner with someone, ideally you love yourself. You you understand what you need in a relationship. You find somebody who um, is able to meet your needs, who you also adore, by the way. Um, who who is the right is the right partner for you? If life sort of takes its turns and and you end up in a place where you feel you need to betray that marriage. Um, the, the very first betrayal is to yourself, right? Because you're going back on a commitment that you've made. And so, so often the infidelity is in response to a real emptiness that you are feeling inside. And how sad that you go and seek the relief that you, the temporary relief that you feel by being unfaithful instead of really sitting with that pain and using it to determine what is unfulfilled in me? And so very often people come in to try to get some help with a therapist after they've already um, had the affair and we're dealing with the aftermath of the affair and trying to address what was the emptiness inside that led to the affair. And I sure wish people would just come in up front. You know, I'm feeling the temptation, and certainly people do this, I'm feeling the temptation to stray outside the boundaries of my relationship. I don't know where that's coming from, but I don't like it. I don't want to do it. So let's get to the bottom of it. And then, you know, if the relationship is going to end, which it might because it could be that this person isn't a good match for for you, um, at least it can end with integrity. And and you right. can say that you, you didn't betray the person within the context of the relationship. Or the family. Or the family, yes. Yeah. Because the kids uh, always know. Parents think the kids don't know. Kids always know. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, so when we get to the point where, um, you know, we're feeling incomplete because the person we, we realize that the person that we're partnering with is not completing ourselves, we're unhappy, um, we realize they're never going to be perfect, and we end up having an affair, um, what do you do then? <sighs> what do you do then? That's a great question. I, I think you have to explore in a really profound way what is missing in me that I felt this need to act out in this way. Um, and and I think until you can be really honest about what's missing in yourself, I don't think the healing uh, can begin. I think if you don't understand um, why. Now, now, granted, there are different reasons. I mean, we have to be realistic here. People have affairs for different reasons. Um, 
you know, some people are very lonely in their relationship. The relationship is not meeting their needs, and they um, have an affair as a way to try to fill an emptiness or a loneliness that they're feeling in their heart. Um, but that's not that's not true for everybody. Some people um, have affairs sort of for sport. They like the they like the chase. They like the thrill of it. They like the, the physical intimacy, um, and they don't mix the physical intimacy with emotional intimacy. And um, very often I'll have people come in for marriage counseling, and one partner will have had an affair, and truly they're upset that they were found out because they didn't think the affair was having any impact on, on their marriage at all. So people come to it with a very different understanding about, um, about faithfulness in a marriage and, and, um, and how that speaks to self. Um, and how does that speak to the spirit? I think it's a betrayal of the spirit. I think I think ultimately we're you know we're put on this earth to love and to be loved, and um, that you know loving one another can manifest in different ways. There's lots of different kinds of love. There's certainly platonic loves and and um, the loves that you have um, you know for your kids and for your for your siblings and relatives. Um, but it truly is such a divinely inspired gift to have one person in your life who is your romantic partner. Um, and I and I think um, I think that that's sort of the 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 natural order of things. And I think if if you're not able to love that one person in your life with your whole heart, um, and, and it, you know it usually comes down to something missing or hurting within the person if they're not able to make that kind of connection with another human being. And it really is a gift when you do have someone that you can walk through life with. I mean, and I don't think that we often think about that because you hear people talk about the ball and chain and the the drudgery of, of a relationship as opposed to celebrating the gift. Mary, I, I tell you, it's it's stunning to me how something so fundamentally important to our society, to the health and wellness of our society, to the health and wellness of our children, um, it shocks me that it's so sort of cool and popular to to make disparaging remarks about the institution of marriage um, and partnership. I mean, I don't want to I, I don't want to exclude people who, for legal reasons, cannot be married. I mean, I'm talking about profound, um, divinely inspired partnership, and um, I, I do believe it's a gift. And I, frankly, I don't understand why uh, more people aren't talking about the benefits of marriage and. Um, and how it can inspire. I mean, I, I like to say that, you know, if your marriage is not your greatest asset, you're not doing it right. And I really believe that. Um, your marriage should support you. It should enrich you. It should give you um, the courage uh, to do things that you might be a little more timid about doing on your own. Um, it should inspire you. Uh, it should be your 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 best learning tool. I mean, you learn so much about yourself through partnership with, uh, with another person. Um, and all of these things are gifts and it's, it's really, it's what the, it's what the journey is all about. Um, I actually, I mean, I've even heard, um, you know, priests, um, people of the, of the cloth, people who are frankly in the business of, uh, of, of marriage and promoting the sanctity of marriage, making disparaging remarks. And honestly, I, I don't understand it. I think I think it's because uh, what we were talking about in our first segment. It's about Cinderella. It's about Snow White. It's about Belle, and um, you know, it's it's that fantasy that we think we're all going to get. And then you you get into a, a relationship and you think, oh my God, this is hard work. I got to look at myself 
you know, um, I've got to put energy in this, and um, I don't think we're conditioned to do it. Hmm. Yeah, and, and especially, and I think I think that not only are we not conditioned to do it, but I think it's only getting worse, quite frankly, because through the advent of new technologies and we're TiVoing and we're DVRing and we're fast-forwarding through commercial, you know, we, we tend to just want to fast-forward through things that aren't pleasant, right? I don't want to sit through a commercial, so now I've got to fast-forward through it. And, um, you know, we... we what what we've lost in sort of the the, the new technological world, um, what we've gained in sort of efficiency and quickness, we've sort of lost a sense of patience, right? And we sort of right. want that, that our need for immediate gratification has has gone up, if that was even possible. And so we don't want to just feel better. We want to feel better now. You know, we don't want to um, have to look deep within ourselves and make profound uh, really sort of soulful um, and conscious choices and decisions about who we are as people, we just want to feel better. Um, and so we do look for the immediate fixes. And I do think that that's something that um, I think we would do really well as we teach our children, as we help our children to grow up, to nurture their patience, to reward them for patience. And, uh, and boy, that seems to just be an uphill battle um, with, with the way our society is moving today. Um, which uh, is another, brings to mind one of the other myths that you talk about in terms of let's make a deal, the barter economy marriage, where we try to negotiate our way through um, a relationship, which sometimes I think can be very beneficial when you clearly understand you have common goals and you, you're willing to say, well, if you do this, I can do that, where I think that doesn't necessarily always have to be a negative, does it? No, absolutely not. In fact, Mary, I got to say, I would be very hard-pressed to think of any couple that doesn't live with one or more of these myths somewhere in their lives. Um, so, so not all the myths are equally destructive to a marriage. Certainly the extent to which it's present in the, in the marriage um, has a role. Um, but the barter economy um, marriage, it's, it's a, it, that is one of the more interesting ones. And I do think in some ways we are all sort of in an exchange. Um, I do this for you, you do this for me. Um, where people get into trouble is when they're very rigid and when they're keeping score. When it's, well, I've done this for you, therefore now you have to do this for me. Um, that's, it's not, a, it's not a, a soulful approach to what should be a very giving and loving exchange. I look forward to doing this for you because I feel like it was such a gift that you did this for me. Um, I think that um, in this you talk about um, arrogance and how that plays into um, a relationship. And can you just briefly uh, tell us a little bit about what happens with arrogance in a relationship? I think that arrogance is is one of the most destructive uh, features that can exist in a relationship. And when I'm working with a couple, um, boy, if my arrogance meter uh, is going off with either um, or both of them, I, I think that's uh, one of the most destructive elements because it is the actual, you know, it's just the opposite of spirit. It's the opposite of a soulful connection. Um, arrogance leads to a sense of entitlement and uh, which, which leads to a certain language and posturing in the relationship that um, is very out of balance and very um, opposite of what you want, which is, which is spiritual, soulful, and, uh, and humble um, connection and recognizing it as a gift. An arrogant person will never see their relationship as a gift. They'll see it as an entitlement. 
and we'll be right back after this commercial to talk more with Dr. Fleming about the 10 myths of love. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic. From skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty, you'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today, and our guest is Dr. Victoria Fleming, and we're talking about the top 10 myths of love and um, what happens in relationships when um, they're based on these myths. And one of the things that uh, a lot of us, I think, fall into is that we're future-oriented. So, so, you know, we'll be happy when we get there. You know, we'll be happy when we have kids. We'll be happy when they go to school. We'll be happy when they graduate. We'll be happy when we retire. Um, and it's and it's not being able to live in the moment. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and I know I know couples that you know they keep postponing all of the things they want to do, and then one of them gets sick, or one of them gets, or one of them passes away, and um, they they were never able to do those things. And it's such a fine line to walk, Mary, because I, I am, and I'm, you know, I I've, I always tend to be. Um, pretty conservative when it comes to, you know, money and spending and planning for the future and and all that. Um, But there really is, there's an argument to be made for planning for the future, and there's um, an argument to be made for carpe diem. And I think when it comes to your relationship um, and the joy of, of the relationship, you know, do what you can to enjoy the now. And I know that's a very, uh, it's, you know, easier said than done um, in these difficult economic times. Um, but there are, as you say, people who postpone, uh, postpone doing things, postpone having children, um, postpone um, taking that trip. And I guess to me it's, it's more about 
finding ways to have quality time and to enjoy each other in the here and now. And how much sacrifice are you both comfortable with? And is it a shared goal? Um, very often this is where it becomes very important that the couple have very, very good communication about what it is they're working for. And through a conversation that explores, you know, their hopes and their fears and their dreams and their anxieties, they can hopefully come to a balance about um, how much they're able to do and enjoy life now while still um, preparing for a future and planning, planning for a future together. One of your recommendations is that um, that couples get together and write this down on a yearly basis and review it every year. Absolutely. I mean, every company that I've ever worked for, every every department I've ever worked in, you have uh, you have strategic planning meetings, right? Where you plan out uh, what is the next six months going to bring, uh, what do we anticipate in the next year, and what's our five year you know strategic plan. And I think um, couples don't typically do that. I mean, maybe once a year on the anniversary, you'll get together and and sort of have some nostalgia about the way we were. Um, but very rarely do couples make a point to every year sit down and say, okay, what do we have coming up um, and how are we going to, to balance it all out? How are we going to get all the bases covered? Um, and I think that's such a great investment of time for couples to do, um, both because it, it helps them to envision what the, what the short term can look like, the next six months to a year can look like. It also helps them to really get a better picture of how the flow of responsibility is working out. Who is shouldering the load in the different areas of, of a marriage that, that are required to make a marriage work? And is everybody feeling appreciated for what they're contributing? Um, are, there anything, uh, are, are there any areas where we need to rethink how we're spending our time, our money, our efforts, our emotional energy? Um, how are we doing with the kids? What do the kids have coming up in the next couple of years? Is there anything unusual we need to be saving some money for? You know, let's, let's get that sort of on the radar so that we're not caught off guard um, by, by things in the next three to five years. I, I just think that kind of meeting is so helpful for couples, um, but very, I, nobody teaches people to do that. So no, they don't. Yeah. Actually, I never really even thought about it until I read your book. So uh, oh. there you go. <laughs> um, another myth that you have, and I certainly um, know a lot of uh, friends that have kind of believed this, is that children will bring us closer together and that once we have kids, our relationship will be solid. I know. Don't we all remember feeling that at some point? Oh, children, it, it, it creates, it's sort of the finishing touch in the, uh, in the in the fantasy picture that we create, and anybody who has a kid will laugh out loud at the very idea, <laughs> uh, because kids are actually very draining. They drain our time, they drain our money, they drain our energy. They, you know, they poke holes in our hearts where we didn't even know we could have holes poked in our hearts. Um, but they're also the most uh, the most satisfying. Hopefully. Um, Hopefully, the best among the best things in your life too. Um, but they are—they are stressors. Um, there's just no doubt about it. Um, and so, it's so important for couples to have a more realistic picture about what a child is going to do to the relationship. Also, to appreciate the fact that yes, it's going to provide uh, having a child is going to provide stress in the relationship. It will also bring us closer in ways that we cannot even fathom, and that. Um, the, the sort of heavy lifting of parenthood, which is really, you know, from the time you give birth until the kids are launched um, off to school, 
you know, that is, it, it, it's sort of a time with, uh, with long days and, and short years, right? So right. the day-to-day drudgery of it seems very hard sometimes, but boy, the years fly by, and before you know it, uh, the kids will be launched, and, uh, and it'll be back to the two of you. So it's just really important to stay connected and, and keep your marriage healthy during those child-rearing years. Um, I, I, we're kind of running out of time. This is going by really fast. But one of the things I wanted us to be able to cover is one of the myths that we can go back to the way we were, that somehow uh, one of us has wounded in some way and we're going to be able to go back. Mm. Yeah, why would you want to? I mean, what you want, you don't really want to go back to, to a time where you, you didn't know each other. What you want to recapture are the feelings. You want to recapture the, the sense of romance, the sense of being desired, the sense of being really connected. What we, what we don't appreciate is that so much of that romantic um, connection we feel, it's not, it's not real. It's real, but it's not real. So much of it is based on a projected reality. You know, when the relationship is new, we can project onto the other person what they must be feeling and thinking. We can look in their eyes and go, oh, I bet I know what he's thinking and feeling. And we can really, you know, romanticize that up. So some of that, uh, get back to the way we were, get, you know, we want to go back to a more ignorant state where we don't know each other so well and we can project what we want onto each other. I mean, that's, that's kind of what that's about. Um, really what we want to do is love and appreciate each other, our ups and our downs, our ins and our outs, honor each other, be grateful that we have found a partner who hangs in there with us through good times and bad, and build on all of that um, with love and with trust and with compassion for one another and with patience for one another and move forward in a much wiser uh, and more realistic way. And that's a much more fulfilling path than the romantic uh, notion. And not only that, I mean, just on a practical level, you go back to the way you were, and I guarantee it, you're going to end up on the same path that got you into the, into the knots that you're, that you're currently in. So there's just no reason to go back. There's no benefit to going back. Um, quickly before we close, how can people get a hold of you or find your book? I'm, I'm sorry? How can people get a hold of you or how can they find your book? Oh, oh, I'm sorry, yeah. Um, so the book actually, it, the book has its own website, um, and it's mythsaboutmarriage.com is, uh, is the website. The book is also available on Amazon, on all, all the, uh, all the outlets, the Amazon.com. It also, there's an electronic version, um, available for, uh, the Kindle and for the Nook. And it actually, I just found out it can be checked out electronically. There's, uh, maybe a Kindle library system now um, where you can check books out, um, or you can go right to our website. In fact, if you go to the website, mythsaboutmarriage.com, um, you can actually order a signed copy, and I will sign it however you like. That's great. And if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Um, they, can, they can contact me through that website, mythsaboutmarriage.com. You can also find me at uh, the North Shore Wellness uh, website uh, where my practice is. That's northshorewellness.com. And um, I have my own website, which is victoriafleming.com. Yeah, Victoria, this has been a, a fascinating hour, and I think that I really recommend, I mean, I, I read a lot of books for this show, and um, to me this is a very practical uh, book, and it's also, um, 
It just kind of reaffirms so many things that, that I've experienced along the way, and um, I really would recommend it to our audience, and it's called You Complete Me and Other Myths That Destroy Happily Ever After. Thank you so much for spending um, this hour with us, and do you have one last thing you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I guess I, I just want to hit home that one last point that I said. You know, if your relationship is not one of your greatest assets, you're not doing it right. And you can. Uh, you know, you, you really can make, make the changes in yourself to bring about um, the relationship that will be, uh, will be the, best, the best that it can be in your life. And that's, that is truly the gift that will, that will keep on giving in your life. Thank you so much. Um, that's a wonderful way to end our show. And have a good week, everyone. Thank you again, Victoria. Oh, thank you so much for having me. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.